We're delighted to have Mark and Susie Perkey with us today. They've been here many times through the years, and uh, we were in college together back at CBC. We did such an incredible job there. Once we got out, they pretty much shut the place down and said, it'll never be this good again, so let's just shut her down. So that's, that's my story anyway. And um, they are Oklahoma evangelists, missionaries. They do work uh, for the kingdom all across Oklahoma. Susie is our district women's ministries director for Oklahoma, does a phenomenal job with that. And we're glad to have them here today. At the end of the service, there will be a time for you to give an offering toward them. If you want to give online, the keyword is perky, okay? It's not super hard to spell, but you might be messed up on vowels. So I'm going to make it easy for you. Think of purr like a cat with one R, though, P-U-R, then a key, K-E-Y, P-U-R-K-E-Y. That's how you do it. That's how you get it. And uh, all the offering that you give at the end of the service will go to them to bless them in their ministry. Uh, Mark has an incredible testimony of God's healing power. Uh, they've got years of ministry and testimonies of what God has done for them. He's a, a dear friend and a, just a great man of God, and I'm so honored to have Mark and Susie Perky here today. Would you give him a good welcome as he comes this morning? Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone. Good morning. So nice to be back at Owasso first and to also be in church with many special friends that we so cherish and are thankful for. And it's always good to see all of you and to, to be with Pastor Bruce and Janet today. We love you guys so much. Thank you for we go back over four decades together and uh, friendship is special when it goes that long, isn't it? How many of you know the relationships you have that are that deep? They're very special, aren't they? And so we're so thankful for that. Thank you for letting us be here. Just a couple of things. I'll get right into the Word and, um, and preach a message the Lord's laid on my heart for you. But we uh, are so thankful just to give you a report. Owasso First has been such a blessing to so many ministries, missionaries, evangelists. But just to bring you a quick update, we have completed our 86th Overseas Crusade. And we are debt-free in all missions work. And uh, so give God praise for that because that's a, a, lot of, a lot of resources. And we're so grateful. And I got an email not long ago from our district superintendent from Puerto Rico. And I've never met this brother. He pastors a tremendous church there uh, on the island. And he said, I, I know of your healing testimony and he said, I want to ask you if you would come and do a healing crusade across the island. And then he went on to explain why this specific request was being made. Is uh, During COVID, they had up to 41% of all of their inhabitants stricken with COVID. And they had many, many deaths. It just really affected Puerto Rico uh, in, in a worse way even than, than many other parts of our, of our nation. And um, so, and then a, a hurricane before COVID, a hurricane just a few weeks ago, has left this island and really reeling and uh, really needing help. So I'm leaving uh, four weeks from, from Thursday, and I'll be preaching this healing crusade. And so I really appreciate your prayers. Thank you for praying for us. 
this is what you're offering at the end will go to help us to complete. Whenever we go and, and do any kind of missions work, um, we always pay for everything. So those we go to work with, they don't have any responsibility. We just love being a blessing when we go. And uh, so thank you for partnering with us on that. And then right after that, we'll be going to Italy to preach a pastor's uh, conference. Um, and so on and on it goes. I'm, I'm trying to reach 100 crusades. That's my goal. And, uh, but I'm going to have to hurry. I think the Lord's coming really soon, don't you? And uh, so uh, we're moving with God's speed to, to do everything we can while it is day. And so we're so thankful for that. I want to preach a message that the Lord has given me that I trust will be a great source of encouragement for all of us because this has been quite a, a season that uh, we have been in and uh, many people still are feeling the effects in different ways from the experience of the last couple of years. Um, Pastor mentioned a moment ago about my healing testimony, and the first of the year I'm, I'm going to be celebrating 42 years of being cancer-free, and the only thing I lost in that entire experience was my hair, but it's overrated, and, uh, and so I, that's the, my story, and I'm sticking to it. And so, and then, and then in December, Susie and I will celebrate 41 years of marriage and ministry. And so I just, I started preaching right after my healing testimony. I was the ripe age of 19 and I'd never had any preaching classes, no training of any kind, but I could give my story. I could anoint with oil and I could pray for the sick. And that's how it started. And it's crazy that almost 42 years later, that testimony still opens doors into many parts of the world that I might not be able to go to any other way. And so I'm so grateful. How many of you know the Lord gave you a testimony for you to use for his glory and, and to open doors of, of ability for you to witness? And so that's what God has, has been doing these many years. I'm just so grateful and so thankful. I want you to take your Bibles, if you would, please, or your phone, whatever you want to use to look this scripture up with me. But I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And let's read the classic portion of Scripture on the armor of God. I'm going to preach this morning on this subject, the sword of the Spirit and our mental health. I have found something that brings tremendous strength and healing to every aspect of our life. And many times, if we're not careful, we can downplay and not even mean to the importance of the Word of God in our lives. Can I get a witness? And I'll make you a deal right now. I can preach this message in 30 and a half minutes with a good witness. But if this is kind of a Presbyterian style service, then it's going to take me four hours and nine minutes to preach this message. So if you all will help me along, I appreciate it so very much. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. And beginning with verse number 10, I know many of us, we could almost quote from memory, this powerful passage, because it's the whole armor of God. We're given instructions of how to dress up every day uh, in our Christian experience. But it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, 
Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And here it is, take the helmet of salvation, and I'm going to highlight this one piece of the armor today, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, thank you for your word today and I pray you'll give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and we give you that glory and praise that belongs to you in Jesus name and everyone said amen. You know over the last uh, two and a half years or so I read something from the Barna group that really was um, a shocking to me but yet I know it's true. During this experience that we've had I'll highlight a couple of things about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but uh in the Barna Research Group gives us these statistics during our COVID experience and all that's been happening. Uh, those who are baby boomers, those born from 1946 to 1964, I know the Perkies and the McCartys are baby boomers, and so 26% of our group uh, stopped attending church in the last two years. 11% switched churches, 40% stayed at the same church. Then we go to the Gen Xers, those born between 1965 and 1980. 35% stopped attending church, 17% switched churches, 31% stayed at the same church. You go to the Millennials, which where my children, our children would fall, uh, born between 1981 and 1996. 50% of the Millennials stopped attending church and have not returned. Uh, 8% switched churches, 30% stayed at the same church. This has been quite a unique experience that uh, unlike anything that I've seen in my lifetime. This season has been one of pandemic and protest and riots and political upheaval and economic uncertainty. Some are still struggling with certain things. Some are struggling with isolation. Others are still battling health issues others with loss of work or trying to keep their families afloat, the responsibilities of taking care of a house and a home. But there is a battle, I believe, that has been more devastating than all of these put together. I believe that our state of mind or our mental health has been under an attack more than anything else uh, that I mention. And uh, we have seen so many things happening in our own culture, even in Oklahoma, We've seen um, suicides increase by 35%, and many things are happening. I'm, I'm not wanting to spend a lot of time on the negative. I had a family. I go out and preach in California several times a year, and I, was, I typically go in January and April. Well, last January, um, this past January of this year, I was preaching in this church in the north uh, San Francisco area, and a family came to me, and they said, Mark, we, we're really struggling. And here was a man and his wife and their four children. So this family of six said, our, we feel like we're about to lose our children. And I said, may I ask, what do you mean by that? Because I knew this couple. I'd seen them before in my visits. And, and he said, well, the reason I say that is because in California, we've been shut down everywhere for the last couple of years. Um, restaurants are closed. You don't have proof of a vaccination or something. You can't go in and eat. He said a lot of our times we, we just get something through a drive-thru or cook at home because that's our only options. He said, but that's not the problem. The problem is my children have been taken out of school. They're, they're doing their learning at home. 
Um, and like everybody else here in California, he said, we're just struggling, and I feel like I'm about to lose my kids. He said, several of their friends uh, have, uh, have suffered, and some have committed suicide. And, and then the father starts crying as he's telling me this. And he said, we've never known any other place to live but California. This is where we both are from. Our parents are here. Our siblings are here. Our children have never known anywhere else. But we feel like for the sake of our children, they can't play sports. There's no games. There's no practices. Everything's been shut down for so long. We need to move. And I said, wow, where are you considering moving to? And he said, well, I think we're going to move to Oklahoma. You talk about it like it's a utopia. I said, well, it is quite nice. And we've got great leadership and great people. And I believe that if that's where you all end up going, I think you would really be blessed. He said, can you give me some churches? He told me the part of Oklahoma they were going to. I gave him about six churches and uh, for them to try and, and so forth, and a real estate agent uh, to, to find them a place to live. All of that happened. And back in March, I was preaching here, not far from Owasso, and uh, I looked out, and a whole family of six were sitting there. And uh, it hadn't been but a couple of months since they had made their move, but they were sitting there with the biggest smiles on their face, and when they came up to me, and all six of them gave me a hug, and they said, you know, Oklahoma is quite the place. They said, we, we loved California. It's all we've ever known, but this is a special, special place with, with a strong emphasis on faith and family and so forth. He went through, and I said, yes, 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 I agree to all the above. How many of you know that family was going through such a battle that they were willing to uproot, take a chance, hoping he could find the job he needed to take care of that family of six and make a move from the coast here to Oklahoma. How many of you know the only reason they considered that is because their mental health was at stake? And they saw an opportunity to maybe make a move and, and save their family because they were having such difficult situations with their own children. And the enemy has been playing on this ever since he sent it. He begins by bombarding our minds with cleverly devised patterns of little nagging thoughts and suspicions and doubts and fears and wonderings and reasonings and theories because after all, well-laid plans do take time. Satan knows what we like and what we don't like. He knows our insecurities, our weaknesses and our fears and certainly he plays uh, those against us. He's willing to invest any amount, of time, any amount of time it would take to try to defeat the believer. And through careful strategy and cunning deceit, he attempts to set up what we know as strongholds in our heart and in our minds. And a stronghold is simply defined as an area in which we are held in bondage due to a certain way of thinking. So our mental health... And uh, our state of mind has been under such attack, some, unlike any other time in our history. And in the scriptures we just read, the Apostle Paul tells us that we have the weapons we need to overcome Satan's strongholds. Do you believe that? We have what we need. We're not lacking any good thing. We're not trying to conjure something up 
to uh, devise to get us through the battles and the challenges that we, we face. We have the powerful sword of the Spirit. It is truly a weapon given to us, a part of the whole armor of God. I, I would not think of going out every day and facing this kind of crumbling culture without dressing up in these pieces of armor and especially the Word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet. Come on, somebody. It's a light unto our path. We can hide God's Word in our heart and, and not sin against Him. It has that kind of power. And the enemy, I want to remind you that the devil... It's a liar. Let's just make it really clear. Satan is a liar, and he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. And John 8, makes that very clear. And in his attempts to defeat us, uh, he uses these uh, uh, cunning and, and crafty ways that we have described. But one thing I have learned about God's word is this. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. Say that with me. Thy word is truth. One more time. Thy word is truth. Aren't you sick and tired of secular humanist and existentialist philosophers always babbling about what truth is? All you have to know is it's found in those four words. Thy word is truth. This is the living truth. This is the bread of life. This is the sword of the Lord that divides marrow from bone and truth from deception. This is the light of the world that brings people to faith in Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. This is the book that radiates hope to the hopeless and brings peace to the tormented and brings freedom to the captive and breaks the shackles of misery. This sacred book I'm holding in my hand has been burned by the Hitlers of the world, but only to rise up out of the ashes and become the sword of the living God. The atheistic communist, he rolls his fist in the face of God and says, God is not, but thundering back from the deep resources of heaven comes the power powerful word of God thy word is truth the Bible says the grass it's going to wither and the flower it will truly fade away but he said my word will stand forever on this special veterans weekend aren't you thankful that we got something that we can stand on something we can sink our teeth into and hold on to and speak and live and memorize because the word of God is so powerful and we need to understand that in these seasons of test and trial like we have just been coming through, there's nothing more powerful than God's Word. A missionary friend of mine sent me a video that uh, brought hot tears to my eyes when I saw it. It simply was this. It was a group of Chinese believers meeting in an undisclosed area in what looked to be kind of a shack in this small room, you could get maybe 50 people packed into it, maybe, and there were at least 50 packed in the room. Whoever had their phone or was able to record it, they did. The quality of the video was not like what you saw this morning, but I can tell you it was clear enough to see the believers waiting in some kind of anticipation of what was about to happen in that room. It was just one cell phone, it looked like, that was recording it. It was going like this and panning the room. And they were just sitting there, and, and some of them were rocking back and forth, and I could tell that they were in prayer. They were praying. There was an anticipation. I'm watching the video, and I can't put it down. Something's about to happen, but I don't know what it is. 
And then all of a sudden, you could see light from the left side of the video, which was the only little doorway into the room. Somebody opened the door, and the light from outside flooded the room for just a moment, and then the door closed. And what light was in the room was very dim. And all of a sudden, the person who had come in came in with two other helpers, and they put three boxes in the middle of that room floor. And they said something to the believers. They looked to be maybe uh, Europeans or maybe even Americans that brought the boxes. They backed out of the room and the door opened again, a little bit of light. You can now see a few faces. And they're wringing their hands and they're, they're sitting uh, 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 just a, a, as forward as they can, even though they're on the floor, they're anticipating something. I'm like, what in the world is this? What is in the boxes? Is it food? Is it water? Is it medicine? And then one of the believers who must have been the leader, he gets up cautiously and carefully, and he walks very slowly. What in the world is in the box? I'm asking myself. And then he opens the first box, and when he does, he gives the nod. And the believers that were sitting all around the floor, dozens of them, they just literally dove into the middle of that room and began to pull out the books that were in that box. And there were three boxes, enough of the books for everybody. You know what they were getting? They were getting the Word of God written in Mandarin Chinese for them. And when they got their Bible, I watched, it was like a, it was like a covey of quail, just piling in and then going back out. And another group piling in over the boxes. They were so around the boxes, you couldn't even see the boxes for a few seconds. And then they would disperse in another group. Finally, they all had their Bible. And they leaned back up against the wall. They went back to where they were sitting all over that room. And as they opened the Bible and began to read whatever scripture they just turned to, they began to lift their voices and lift their hands and began to worship and praise God for a Bible. Maybe they had never had one. Maybe they never had possessed one. Maybe Fire Bible had not been able to get to them yet with the Mandarin Chinese Bible. It looked to me as though this was their first Bible to possess. But let me tell you what went through my mind. When they reached in the box and took a hold of a Bible for each individual, they also were signing on the dotted line saying, owning this Bible could cost us our life. Being in possession of this Bible in communist China could put us in prison for the rest of our lives. But yet they didn't seem to care about the cost. I just watched them go through it and they began to worship and some would read a few verses and they just couldn't take anymore and they began to weep. And I was so convicted and I began to feel like, how... how how powerful is God's word? What place have I, have I placed God's word in my own life? Am I that excited about God's word to realize the gift that I've been given that so many believers around the world can't even own without a potential of being arrested, imprisoned, or even put to death? And yet I've got, I've got dozens of Bibles in my library, all sizes, all kinds, all, all different versions. And I began to realize, God, bring us back. That little video did something in me. It said, bring us back to a place where we prioritize your word above all other periodicals, above all other things that we read or study or do. Let God's word be first place in our life because there's nothing more powerful. Uh, and, and, and I see that this, this book I'm talking about, it's the only book in print, ladies and gentlemen, that can change your sin-stained life. 
and make you whiter than snow. You can read Shakespeare, Shelley, Keats, and Byron, but they won't change your life. But I tell you what will change your life, the power of God's Word will change your life forever. There's healing power in God's Word. There's an anointing power in God's Word. There's a redemptive power that makes the sinner forsake his way. This book still breaks the fetters of sin. There's one reason why I've been preaching the Word of God almost 41 years, and that's this. I see the power of it and the change that it brings to people's life. If this wasn't working, I'd do something else. But this is what works. This is what brings change. This is what brings salvation and healing and help and strength to people's lives. And and I'm so thankful that it has a message more powerful than cocaine, more powerful than fentanyl. Come on, somebody. More powerful than pornography, more powerful than the occult. If we will read God's word, it will change us through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so very important, so important. Three things the Lord gave me during four months off starting in March of 2020. Schedule's always been blessed, thanks to God. Always been full for all these years. But then all of a sudden everything changed. Things began to shut down and shift. And I had four weeks with nothing. That's when I thought, okay, I know what to do. The last thing I'm going to do is sit around here and feel sorry for myself. Not going to have a pity party here. But I'm going to get in God's word. And buddy, did I not have a time. I was able to come down every Sunday morning for 16 weeks and preach to my family. Not that that was a thrill for them. But I had gotten a word from the Lord up in my little man cave that my wife had created for me. And I got alone with God. And for 16 weeks, I poured over the pages And read through this Bible more than once. And it brought such strength and encouragement and healing to me. And the Lord spoke to my heart three things I want to share with you. Number one, this is not the time to just survive. It's the time to thrive. There's been a survival mentality. If we can just make it, if we can just survive this. I'm not interested in survival mode. I want to thrive under the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the help of God's word. Because you can be anxious about a lot of things. But this season that we have been in, and and some are still in, however, does not have to be one of anxiety or hibernation aimed at survival alone. But it is an opportunity to thrive. Because if we can go to Lowe's, if we can go to Walmart, if we can go to the dentist, we can surely come to church and be faithful to the house of God. Come on. And we can serve the Lord and meet together as he has commanded. You can thrive through intercession. It's a moment in time we have been given as a church to either have that survival mentality or say, wait a minute, I'm going to take the opportunity given to me. It's not what I would have ordered. It's not what I thought was coming. I didn't see it coming. But nevertheless, you can pray for your spouse and your family, your friends, your neighbors, your fellow Christians and believers. You can pray for your pastors and your leaders. You can pray for this nation and its leaders as we did this morning. You can pray for peace to rule your city and for people's fears and frustrations and anger to melt away. I've seen this in my travels. I've, I've been in situations where uh, things have broken out right around me and, and there, there's an opportunity to get involved in whatever their dilemma is or to try to back out and just, and I'm, I've been confronted with several angered situations 
in my travels. And um, you can pray for these things to happen, and the Holy Spirit can accomplish this. Another way to thrive is to renew your study of God's Word. Spending even a minimum amount of time in the Word of God can shift your daily thoughts from fear to faith. If you find yourself feeling fearful, anxious about the future, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? Will I have enough to retire? And the many questions that flood our minds all the time. Will I have what I need tomorrow? Will I have what I need in five years? And the devil will say, you probably won't. Because look at what's happening all around you. But God's word is is clear. God's word says if we'll believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved and our house. How many of you believe he'll save our house? He'll help our house. He'll supply for our house. And one of the things that have always been a, a key point of Owasso First is your passion for souls and missions has brought you to a place of looking at the numbers this morning and seeing the indebtedness dwindling quickly. I believe that's all related to not just faithfulness of God's people, but where the priorities of the house have been placed. Waiting for the amens to die down. It's getting so loud here, I can't hear myself. It's true. God has given us increase for influence so that we'll have an impact. I really believe God has given his people increase, his blessings, his favor upon our lives so that we will have influence. Blessed people are influential people. I mean, let's just be honest. A blessed person has the ability to be influential. And then through their influence, an impact is made. And I pray for all of us as God's people to have that increase so influence and impact will be a reality. Secondly, don't just endure difficult experiences, but rather enhance them. Enhance them. Our passion for Jesus can increase during times of difficulty or challenge, both in devotion to him and care for our neighbors, and especially the vulnerable and the needy. To give you an example of this, I was in revival some years ago in Wichita, Kansas. We were doing a Sunday through Wednesday meeting, and on Sunday morning, I came out with the pastor and the praise team was getting ready to start leading worship. And we were sitting in some chairs over here, I believe, on this side. And I looked out, my first time at that particular church. And I looked out and I was smiling at all the people. What a good looking crowd, a great church. And, you know, as an evangelist, one thing I might forget, I might forget a name, but I don't forget faces or where you sit. You can tell I've been raised in church, can't you? Because we kind of sit in the same area, sometimes the very same seats. And so I was already kind of getting to know where these people sat and, and learning their faces. I hadn't been introduced really to anyone yet. And then I noticed over to my left along the wall at the end of the row, I noticed a very elderly lady had to be in her 80s. And she was coming in late and leaving early. I noticed, not trying to notice, but it was just obvious she didn't engage with anybody. If you said, hey, shake some, that was back when we used to hug necks. Remember those days? And 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 somebody could say, hey, hug somebody's neck around you, shake someone's hand, welcome somebody. Nothing was happening. And she looked to just be very alone. And so automatically, I'm assuming she's a visitor. She doesn't know anybody. Hopefully, someone in, in the church will make her welcome. But that wasn't the case. She was a regular But she was all alone, no one on her row. And um, 
I just, all of a sudden, I just, I have her on my heart. What am I going to do about it? I don't know. All I know is when the praise team had a little break in, in, the, in the set of worship, uh, tell someone around you, welcome someone around you, that kind of thing. I made a beeline down from the platform up that, that aisle, and I shook her hand, and I introduced myself, and she did the same. And I said, I've got you on my heart this morning. I, I've never met you before. Um, how are you doing? She said, horrible. I said, okay, what's up? She said, well, I lost my husband of 64 years recently. And she said, I just have struggled with wanting to go on, purpose. I don't feel like there's any assignments anymore on my life. And I'm just really struggling. And, and all of a sudden, as she's telling me this, remember, we've got maybe 30 more seconds and the worship's going to start. I can't be just over there visiting. I know my time's limited. And I'm still wondering, Holy Spirit, am I, is, is it all, all I'm going to do, just come over and say hello? Um, and that's fine if it is, but the Holy Spirit had a quick plan, and it started being unveiled. As soon as she told me that little bit, I saw in my spirit like a movie theater screen, a large screen in my mind. I saw her sitting in her house all alone every day since the passing of her husband. I saw um, her not opening the blinds, not really desiring light anymore, sitting pretty much in dark, darkened rooms, and just not, not eating well, not, not doing well, just sitting there pretty much all day in that kind of depression. I told her what I saw in my spirit, and she looked at me, and she said, who's been talking to you in this church? And I said, ma'am, no one. No one's mentioned you or anyone else. My first time here, my first service here, I don't know anyone. She said, well, what you just described is me. And, uh, boy, she started kind of lowering her head. And now that, that facade that she had kind of put up, you know, that guard that she had kind of put up that nobody's going to get in my space. And, and I'm just, this is the way I'm going to live. I'm going to deal with it. Well, now the Holy Spirit's opened the door. He took a key. And he opened the door that day. And um, all of a sudden, I find myself asking her a couple of questions. What do you do? She's, I, I don't really do anything. What are your gifts? I don't really have any. And then I thought, okay. I said, don't lie to the preacher. She said, well, there's some, something I did for years and years. I said, well, what was that? She said, have you heard of the restaurant? And she named it. The Perkies know restaurants all across the world. One of our gifts is knowing where to eat at any given moment. We know the cooks. You know, we know who's seating you. I mean, it's a big deal. It, food's a big deal. And, and you can say amen, okay? And so I said, well, of course I've heard of that restaurant. How many times have I eaten at that restaurant? And how many times going through Wichita, going north or south on I-35, have I exited? What about it? She said, well, do you remember that display under the glass they had of, of made-from-scratch homemade pies? I said, I know them well. I said, second row far left, wasn't that the coconut cream where it started? And now we're laughing. The music's already started, but hey, I'm into something here. I don't know where this is going. Right now we're talking about pie, not very spiritual. And, but then it was about to change. And then she said, well, I was the one for 41 years that baked all the homemade pies from scratch. 
and delivered them two, three days a week to the restaurant. And people bragged on my pies that came from all over the United States to eat at that restaurant. I said, you are Sister Pie? And she said, that's me. Oh, I hugged her. She's probably 84, 85. And so from that moment on, I called her Sister Pie. And I said, okay, Sister Pie, you've been retired. She, she mentioned a number of years she'd been retired. And I said, okay, the Holy Spirit's given me a note of instruction. I'll pass it on. What you do with it's between you and the Lord. I said, preheat your oven to 350. I want you to make one pie a week. Is that physically too much to ask? She said, well, not at all. One pie a week maximum. What do I do with it? Don't eat it. But I want you to sow it as a seed. I want you to go to the, the prisons, the jails, and the senior centers, and the nursing homes, because there's thousands upon thousands of women just like you. And I have a feeling that if you'll get off your pity pot, that's exactly the way I said it, and start making a pie a week, pastors ask me to be back next year at the same time, and I'm going to be looking for you, and I pray that I see a different scenario than I saw today. I love you, Sister Pie. I'll see you next time. I left. We had the revival. Didn't speak to her the rest of the week. The next year I came back, I come in on Sunday morning, I look around, I'm starting to notice where the people are. They're sitting where I remembered them last year. And uh, I looked over now to the left side. There she is, smiling so big. She was not alone as the year before. She has two entire rows packed with old women. I mean, they were anxious. They wrote a song about them, Ancient of Days. That's, that, that was them. And it was precious, though. And, uh, hey, I had a mammal that lived to be 100, so I love this group of people. They're my kind. And so I, I went over there. We had a break in the worship. I went there, and I said, Sister Pie. And I put my arms around her, Brother Mark. And we hugged, and she said, I did it. A pie a week. She said, it's crazy what baking a pie a week and giving it away to someone in need did for me. I said, well, who are these folks? She said, I led every one of these old women to the Lord with a pie. <laughs> and she took the time to go down two rows and introduce them all to me. And they acted like they'd known me forever, never met them before. And then the final thing that was the best is she said, did Pastor tell you what you and I are going to do together Wednesday night? And I said, I hope we're going to get into a Sunday school room and lock the door with two forks and a wet towel. <laughs> That's what I'm praying God's going to say to us right now. I said, coconut cream will be fine for me. She said, oh, don't worry. I've already made you one. I'll give it to you after church. I felt the anointing at <laughs> that moment. Thanks for letting me have some fun here. And then all of a sudden, she, she said, well, what he's going to do, Pat? He hadn't told you. I said, not yet. I haven't heard anything. What are we doing? She said, well, pastor told me since I led all them to the Lord, he said, you baptize them. And Brother Mark will get in the tank with you and help you. And she said, so you and I are going to get in the tank on Wednesday night, and we're going to baptize all of these old women. One of the greatest Wednesday nights of my life. Tears rolling down my cheek. A smile, too, because I knew what was in the kitchen. Just wanted to throw that in there. Had, had tears and a smile. And uh, what a night it was. What this woman simply did, she acted upon the Word of God that was given to her. And when she acted... 
it brought such power and strength and resolve. And, and even though all of these many women had come to Christ through her simple outreach, the one who was just as changed was her. Because she said to me at the end of that revival, she said, this has been the greatest season. She's in her 80s. She said, of my life. Today's problems are multiplying. Our culture's difficulties and challenges are intensifying. And they are having an impact. I don't know how long the impact will last. We might not see a reprieve in the impact of evil. But at the same time, God says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. These are moments we can anticipate revival. Susie and I were just listening to a special prophetic word on, on the way to church this morning where there's a person that, that saw in a dream healings and miracles and wonders happening starting in London and then sweeping across the globe once again as it had before. I believe God's going to do something incredible in these days. But here's the only thing that will hold you to the foundation when things begin to unravel in your life. Lastly, don't just wait out changes. Pray in changes. Someone said to me when those, those weeks started of just kind of shutting down, being off, and the challenge that that brought to so many of us, all of us, uh, especially our ministers and my brothers and sisters in ministry, um, I'll never forget Someone saying to me on the phone, one of my dear uh, minister buddies called me and said, hey, man, and I, he said, how's it going for you? I said, well, here's kind of what the future looks like, you know, from what's happened. And, and he said, hey, man, it is what it is. And I said it after him. I said, yeah, it, I'd never said that phrase before, but it's real popular. And I said, yeah, it is what it is. And then, I, and then we ended the phone call. And then such conviction swept over me. That out of my mouth I had said that. What's wrong with it? Is it wrong? Is it evil? Of course not. But then I began to dig and find out where that entire thought comes from. And it was Buddhism. Because it encourages passivity. For me to say it is what it is for my personal situation. I'm not talking about yours. You can say whatever you desire. But for me to say it is what it is was saying God can't change it. Nothing good's going to come from it, and, I, and we may not make it. That's what that phrase was saying. Because Buddhism encourages passivity to accept things as they are. But believers are called to see things transformed by the power of Christ. We are to pray in change. We can pray for miracles and, and believe God for healing. We, we can believe God to heal our land of poverty and injustice and for our own hearts uh, to continually turn to Jesus. And so from that day on, I made a deal with myself. Don't ever say it again. Because that's saying that God can't change my circumstance. And that God's not big enough to see me through this present challenge. And just as Pastor Bruce was saying a moment ago, with all that has been happening and the challenges that came to all of us, what he was showing you, church, is God's blessing us. God's increasing us. Our missions giving is up. Our ministry outreaches have increased and are up. Everything's up when the world is telling you everything should be down, especially you. But the Word of God gives me what I need 
And when the enemy comes and lies to me, I just say, all right, liar, that, that's not true because here's what God's Word says about that. And I'll speak and quote the Word of God, and it just, it just nullifies it. It just, it just zaps it. Can I get a witness? But the difference is if a believer hears a lie from the enemy and then they begin to entertain it. Oh, well, yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if, if yeah, that, that kind of sounds true. If you start entertaining a lie over time, that lie goes from the mind down into the spirit or to the heart where it takes root and takes effect and can wreak havoc. Expose every lie. As soon as the enemy says it, expose it. As soon as he lies, it expose it. And come against it with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I found, I found the medicine. I found the antidote for this season of such disparity, depression, anxiety. There's many things that have been experienced. I found the antidote is in the power of this book. And when I engage it, I've been given something like a sword in my hand going into battle. How many of you don't want to go into battle with anything in your hand? If you go into battle, I want a weapon. And God has given us one of the most effective offensive weapons. And that's a whole other sermon. And that is the Word of God. Father, we thank you for your Word. We give you praise for the power that you have placed in the spoken word of God because Lord you are the living word of God and Jesus you have given us the written word of God it's a sword in our hand for battle it's a light to illuminate our path and our steps it's like a shepherd's staff it's, it's the soldier's weapon everything that we need on a day-to-day basis when we're battling such, such lies and such disparity that's all around us. The truth of your word sets the record straight. And then our hearts and our minds then come in alignment with your word. And then the power of your word, once it gets into our heart, into our mind, then the power of this, this sword of the spirit is when we release it from our mouth. And through that release from our lips, the Word of God goes forth with such incredible clarity and power. For that, we give you praise. I want to ask a question this morning. Is there anybody in the service that can just say, Mark, uh, this, this experience we've had as, as a nation, as a people, maybe you're saying as a family, uh, I, just, I just need, and Pastor mentioned it this way, the way we grew up in church, many of us, this phrase was used often in altar calls, and I find myself going back to it so many times, where we would say without trying to be specific necessarily, because sometimes you can't be specific enough because the needs could be so varied and so different, but we said it this way, if there's anybody that needs a, a touch from the Lord, and I heard Pastor Bruce say it earlier. If there's anybody in this service that could just say, and I just want to pray over you briefly, I would never embarrass you. But if you just, if there's anybody here, just say, Mark, I, I need a touch from the Lord. We'll leave it at that. I need a touch from the Lord. Would you just lift your hand quickly? Let me just see it. I want to pray over you before 
pastor comes here in a moment. I know my time is up. Any, thank you. I saw many hands. Thank you, guys. Over here, I see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I saw a lot of different hands that went up. What I would like to do is I would like to ask those of you that slipped your hand up for just, for just another moment. Would you join me here in front of the platform? Just stand here facing, facing me so that I could speak some, some words over you, some, some words from the Lord. Would you do that quickly? If you're, come on, I know you meant it. I know that, that, that slipping, and no one's going to ask you to say anything. Believe me, no one judges anybody else. We've all been in this boat before, have we not? Where we've had to fight against what the enemy's whispering into our mind. Uh, he's trying to convince us of something, and we know it's not true, and boy, the battle then's on. The battle's on. It affects our joy, and how we respond to these attacks affects our peace. It definitely affects our sleep. It affects our outlook, attitude, because then the dependency quickly can shift to us. Oh, if I don't do this or that or the other, and then our dependency needs to go back to my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? So lift your hands with me. And let's pray together. I want to pray over you, and then pastor will come. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters who so quickly were willing to step out of the comfort of their seats to pursue you today for help. Lord, we're coming to you because your spirit is our counselor. And Lord, we need a counselor. We need someone that we can take our burdens to and pour out our heart to. And Lord, I thank you that you're a very present help in a time of trouble. Lord, I rebuke every lying thought from Satan and I bring it into subjection and under submission to the authority of Christ. We are not victims of this season. We are victors through the blood of Jesus. We're not the ones being overcome we are the overcomers, for the greater one lives on the inside of us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So, Lord, today we're not taking on that mentality that we're just barely hanging on, but we're going to not survive today by stepping out and coming forward. We're saying, Lord, in the presence of, of, of other witnesses and before you, we're going to thrive in this moment not just adopt a survival mentality. And with your help, we're going to increase so that we might have impact and influence. Lord, we see positive things. Even in the negative season, we see how you can take what was meant for our harm and you're able, like no one else, to turn it around and make it work for our good. And that we give you praise for. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise, everybody. Lift your voices. Lift your voices with me. And everybody in the house, lift your hands with me one more time. Hallelujah, everybody. Come on, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just express your love for just a moment to the Lord. Express your love for Jesus, for your relationship with him, for his word that is that lamp and light in your life. Thank you, Lord. May we never take it for granted. May we be like those believers in a foreign country that when they got their hands on the Word of God, they wept because they realized they had a direct gift from heaven, the Word of God. 
And Lord, I know many of them began to read it and memorize it because they weren't sure how long it would be before those would be confiscated and taken away. But Lord, we have such joy and privilege today. Thank you for our veterans who paid the ultimate price for our freedom to assemble today, the freedom of speech, of work, of travel. Thank you for the freedom we have to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unafraid. And thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We give you praise. Now give the Lord a hand of praise, would you?